1: Another edition of the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Phil Brilo from Extra Frame Flow Bowling sits over there, across the room from him. Like always, I never really asked why, but he does sit way, <laughs> way, way far away from Phil. He's Dwight Albert of the Spare Time Pro show I just Pro wonder if he showers bowling. every. Morning. I lie. Well, he does. <laughs> Other people on our staff may not, but he, Phil Braylor, well, definitely Well, I got a direct does. look at him. Yes. And you know, I
2: can see his face and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where I sit, where you're sitting. Yeah. Gary Ellerson sits over there. It's like we, we have designated show. seats. Designated oh. seats, right. Every show has it. Every single <laughs> yeah. show. If it's Final Inspection, if it's the Varsity Blitz uh, college basketball show, Faith in the Zone with McGivern that airs before this show, Chuck and Winkler, every show, and I don't get, know why, right. I've never been a part of a radio show where every week people come in and sit in different seats. It's <laughs> like wherever you sit the first time is where you will sit there going forward. <laughs> and nobody ever says you have to, but that always ends up being the case in radio. And I, I don't know why. Well, we were just meant to be then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I
3: I just I don't understand. Same thing for my flow bowling booth. No matter what bowling center we're in, Goodger's always to my left. And you always do it the same way. Is, yeah. Goodyear's to my left. If we have a guest or in the middle, I'm on the I'm on the right, facing out to the lanes. That's so it's good the same stuff.
1: thing. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Okay, so let's uh, go over what happened last week uh, on TV. We will hear from the winner of the Tournament of Champions coming up a little bit later in the show as Phil Brilow had a chance uh, to talk to him earlier this week. Uh, First off and foremost, I thought they did a really good job, Dwight, uh, of kind of going over the history of that center, uh, history of kind of everything that's happened there, how the PBA was gone, the PBA came back. All of that I thought was really good, especially mm-hmm. for people that don't watch the PBA for the last thirty years, forty years. It was just a
2: brilliant show from the what I noticed was the signs the kids were holding. I love how they had yeah, it. The Uber like, sign. old school where they had the fans all the way down the yeah. concourse and the stands. And I'm sure those people on the end couldn't see anything, but it just reminded me of what it was in the
4: 70s.
1: You know what I you make a good point that I had never thought about. Because normally Tom Clark, the commissioner, mm-hmm. normally would sit behind right. the bowlers, and then the executives or whatever the case may be. And the last couple of weeks, I don't think he has been. He's been more on the side. Uh, him and uh, Carmen Salvino I mean, were sitting mm-hmm. there on the side for this show. And I, you're right. And I never noticed that, Phil. But it seems like now the fans get an opportunity to sit in those seats, best seats in the house. And Clark has kind of put himself off to the side.
3: Well, they have some VIP ticket packages as well where you get a meet and greet with the bowlers So before people weren't buying them, so
1: he was sitting there, and now people are buying them, so he's not sitting there?
3: Yeah, basically. Wow. Economics for the bowling center. there were
1: some younger kids sitting there. Wow, good for them. They must be Mm -hmm. in the money early on in life. Um, (laughs) Or mom and dad. But whatever. Whoever's got the money doesn't really matter.
3: Well, that's good then.
1: Because you should be able – I mean, I I like the the fans sitting there more than I like the executives sitting there. Not that I – You don't have an issue looking at Tom Clark on TV, but it's just it it looks better, I think, uh, on TV. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you're right. I do like that. Uh, As far as bringing back the history, uh, Belmonte during the show talking about everybody that came before him. um, That's bold in the house to where it is now. You see that in some sports like you see it with the Packers locally where they will refer back to history. Gary Ellerson tells the stories all the time about how uh, and again, this is different than what it is now, but back in the day. He played for Forrest Gregg. They'd come off of like two days or whatever, a Training camp, come in, and there'd be all these old dudes sitting in their hot tubs that were you know, Forrest Gregg's teammates that he allowed to come in smoking cigars and stuff, and the players themselves couldn't get in the hot tub because these old guys were there. But it was the tradition, the family atmosphere of what the Packers were at that time. It's not as much now, uh, but it was bigger back then. And I like this, kind of respecting the history of what happened before you. Yeah, there were two things in the show that I— Brought out of from
2: the history aspect of it was number one, and Phil, you probably will uh, know the answer to this. Is is they mentioned a Carmen, Carmen that was one of the seven um, founding members of the PBA. Is he the only one alive in it?
3: According to Car- Carmen, he is the only one that is left out of those original yeah, seven. Everyone from else the is first deceased. meeting. Yeah, he yeah.
2: said that on the show
1: last week. I yeah. think I
3: okay. think he said it himself on the and, show last week.
2: Yeah, and then I, I forgot obviously from the nineties. Ninety one, I believe it was that. Uh, I remember when it was live. Also, that they had that bomb threat, correct? And they brought they that brought up.
1: that up during the show too, right?
2: So yep. I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, I remember tuning into that show, and I obviously there's gonna too. be no bowling going on because obviously someone called in a bomb threat yeah. that show. So a lot of history in that bowling alley,
1: no doubt. Uh, yeah. So that was awesome too. Uh, okay, so everybody was well aware that sitting in the TV final and the championship match was Belmonte, and everybody knew that you had a chance to bowl for a million dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. If you shot a 300 and Rob Stone obviously no. said what Fantastic. he might have been thinking at that time had they done the front nine, <laughs> yep. like Brillo had suggested, that might occur. So you all heard that. If you missed the Rob Stone interview <laughs> last week, by the way, go to Fan on Demand, 1057FMTheFan.com. Just go back and listen to last week's show. Rob Stone was out of the park good. Like yep. One of my favorite interviews we've done on this yes. show over the course of time. He's just He's really, really funny and good and so forth. Uh, okay, so let's get into the uh, match here, and I'll just go along with my notes that I have, and you all can just chime in like always. Uh, Late Spar uh, picks up the 10 8 split there uh, in, in the fourth frame, and that was really the first big thing that happened in that first match. And once again, and I don't, I, I guess like maybe like three years ago, we were talking about spare making and guys missing spares. It seems like as you go through this show again, We are talking about guys missing spares or making really difficult spares one way or the other, more so than I remember ever talking about last year on this show.
3: Well, especially when it's coming to, you know, we're seeing a couple of chops at a Blanchard in that first match, and this week we were in Columbus, and it's not just on TV. It's off TV, too. It's off TV, too. You know, Kyle Troop last week at the Tournament of Champions missed five single pins his last six-game block, qualifying to fall out. Otherwise, he would have been on TV. Otherwise, well, no, he would have. He would have made the top twenty-four. Oh, to a get a chance for TV. But, right. Yeah, but there's guys that are just self-destructing all over the place. That is so. nuts.
1: All right, so he picks up uh, that split. Blanchard then leaves a two-four-five in the sixth. Okay. Uh, leaves two pin the two pin on the spare attempt, so he gets the four and the five. That was coming off a double spar. Yeah. Now up one. After that, heading into the sixth for him, he strikes out of the TV break quickly here before we get more into this. So for those people that are sitting at home watching on TV, Phil, that have never been to a TV uh, show like all of us in this room have, talk a little bit, and, and Dwight can too, because Dwight back in the day was you know bowling with the champs or whatever else, but about that TV break and how big of a deal momentum-wise uh, that can be good or bad for bowlers with that first TV break in the sixth.
3: Well, it's the first time they really get an extended chance to talk to their ball rep. I mean, they might get a few seconds between uh, shots, to, to talk to the opponent shots, to talk to the ball rep. Uh, they can really map out what they've seen to that point. Uh, they can make a change as bowler if he's having some struggles, uh, can just sit there and take the time to refocus as well. But problem is you're sitting around, your rhythm's gone. So if you're mm-hmm. that first bowler out of the break, all of a sudden you've been sitting there for two and a half, three, three and a half minutes before you're up for your next shot, and you really have to take the extra time before the lights come back on to, to, to know what you're going to do when See, you step on the approach. And for me
1: in that particular situation – Blanchard leaves that split, only gets two of three, Spar's sitting there with the chance to bowl coming out of the break. For me, I think that was a switch in momentum, having the break right there, uh, and then at that point. Well,
2: after that miss spare, I, I think they didn't. They think that uh, Spar was going to actually win it, and Blanchard They kept talking, that, oh, Blanchard will learn from this, and da-da-da-da-da, right. he can't make spares, And they had him written off, and then right. he gets into the 10th. Yep. But the thing that I find interesting is Blanchard even won
1: at that two four five. From like almost four fifth arrow and still yep. chopped it. And still chopped it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. So then out of the break, spar up one after heading in the sixth for him. He strikes uh, uh, out of the TV break, spar comes back and then leaves a three six ten in the seventh. Picks it up though, and everybody goes crazy. Uh, and the way he picked it up too was uh, fun too. Uh, <laughs> Blanchard uh, throws a Brooklyn strike in the seventh. I like Brooklyn strikes. I know everybody says. There were a few on that show. I, everybody. Eh, I don't like Brooklyn strikes. I think they're fun. Uh, uh, Blanchard that strikes in the eighth, thanks to late Messenger uh, on the 10 pin. Spar strikes in the eighth, then a 3-6-10 on the left lane again in the ninth. Uh, second time in a row uh, on that side, he, on that he, left side.
3: He made a move, I think, after the one in the seventh, and he just gave that one a little bit extra on the bottom when yep. he got to the line. Yes. So it didn't, you know. Didn't want to, just ended up happening with his timing a little bit late, and you give it that little bit more, and there's there's no hold on that on that Don Johnson pattern last week. Yeah.
1: So Spar picks that up. Blanchard way light in the ninth, leaves the two five, chops it, and is now down five heading into the tenth frame. And the guy, these guys are missing again in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Guys are missing spares late in matches. You know, it's one thing to miss something in the first or the second frame. It's a totally different thing to miss something in the ninth or tenth frame. My question for Phil is, did they just not
2: have it figured out, or were they just starting off that tight?
3: They were that tight all week. It was just that tough all week long. It was trying to get the ball to read properly. Yeah, neither one and most of, the, most of the players, especially at Urethane, so we're showing, seeing a guy like Plancho at Urethane, they wanted that ball reading early because Urethane naturally rolls early as mm-hmm. it is. So that ball is actually starting to read in the pattern, and then it gets off the pattern and it uses what little energy it has left and it has to get all the way through, retain just the, barely enough to get through the 1-3 properly, and it was just tough all week to get that ball to read in the right spot on the lane. You could have it all of a sudden, and we saw it with crossovers, all of a sudden that ball reads two feet, yes. three feet earlier yeah. than it did before, Yeah, and bam, it's going left.
1: I got to say, I, I just thought of something. I'm not sure I've ever brought this up before on this show in the years we've been doing it. but So if you're a, a Major League Baseball pitcher or a Major League Baseball catcher even to a certain degree, right, you have, well, the really good ones, have notes on everybody, right? right. You have notes Scouting, on right. on holes with different catch uh, with different hitters. Right, uh, pitchers have notes on what they've used to get different hitters out over this a uh, certain amount of time. Oh, all this stuff. Okay, so you're a PBA bowler. You've bowled most of these patterns year to year on the PBA tour, yeah. year in year out, year in year out. It's the same type of stuff, right? I know where you're going with this, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. if if you're sitting at your home going, dude, man. You've bowled this pattern how many times? How can you be so lost? Which one of you would like to answer this? Well, number one, I, I, you,
2: I think you were gonna. Do they make mental notes of every pair? Do they make mental, mental notes, notes of every making
1: physical notes yeah. of everything because, right. and you're right. For me, the house is going to change the shot as well. Oh sure, but when I bowled, I. I remember – you just remember pairs
2: and how they They give me
1: problems or whatever Correct. the case may that's,
2: be. You know, that's why some of the pros, they always mentioned over the decades that they never did well at that center. Or they avoided that tournament because they never cashed. Sure. There. So, so – But but you, but you never took physical
3: notes. No. You just all had in your brain. Yep. How about you? But on the – I never took physical notes either, but no. I never bowled that many tournaments and right. such. But these guys, you know, you're on the championship here. You know what it's done all week, but now – you have five guys in practice breaking it down for 15 minutes in different ways. And you've got like the lights every, on it. And every single shot that's going down the lane changes it. And every shot they're making after, that's just an educated guess. They're doing the best they can. And if you make a physical mistake with it and pull it left or pull it right, well, then you're you're still guessing. It was it was yeah. brutal out there all week long. For For Belmo to pull away from the field like he did a bit towards the end uh, was impressive before it got to the TV show where he – was kind of throwing games other guys couldn't throw.
1: Yeah, it, it just it, just something that I, I guess I'd never seen anybody on tour and back when I was going to the World Series of bowling, I don't think I ever asked the question either. And as we're sitting there, we're talking, I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't you have notes on this? Now, I grant you, on the TV show aspect of it, the lights are on it, so that's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. Guys bowling in front of you and you having to sit there and wait forever is different than yeah. during mm-hmm. the week where you're just constantly bowling and moving from lane to pair to pair or whatever. So it's a totally different setup. But even if you take that out of it and you just go back to the qualifying aspect of it, there are still different things that change depending on who's bowling in front of you and so forth. But as far as what you're saying, as far as getting the ball to roll, this is the first match of the day. This oil is fresh. Right. Definitely the heat of the lights. And for me,
2: it was the glare of the lights when I was on Bowling with the Champs that drove me crazy. But I, I firmly believe that the temperature of the lights have a tremendous amount Huge. to do with it. Well, yeah, yeah, but
3: they're, they've actually changed the lights this year. There's actually more of an LED lighting than Low, there's been yeah, in the past, cool so you light, don't really yeah. have much in the way of heat, heat anymore. But you yeah. still have enough body heat in the bowling center from all the fans that are in there and mm-hmm. everything with that that's going to change it. And that 15 minutes of practice they get before the TV show changes You think that's the area so where they make much. it or
2: break it for them?
3: Oh, absolutely. They can... Would it be better off not giving them practice before the first match? No, they match? no, they have to. There's no because it would choice. be a train wreck if they didn't. Right, it would be so super fresh that guys would then be really making guesses out there, and you'd see a lot of matches ending at one fifty, one forty. The first match, I think, I really do. If they didn't get any practice in,
1: here you go, Tom Clark. So in golf, you have your U.S. Open that is, and Tom knows this; he's a big golf guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. You have your U.S. Open that I, I, I deem they just try to make it as impossible as. It's all possible, right? They want to be the most difficult, the craziest scores, whatever else. Do that for a tournament. Re-oil the lanes after every match with fresh oil, no practice shots, and the bowlers have to go out and bowl on fresh oil. From one match to the next match. So have one match be, and I don't know how difficult this is to do in between matches, so maybe it would have to be a tape show, but the, the first match maybe is on a wolf pattern. The second match is on the Don Johnson pattern. The third match, and every match changes with fresh oil. So, if you're coming up the stepladder from five, you essentially are bowling on, what, three different patterns, four different patterns. But if you're the one spot and you've made it that far, you only have to worry about one pattern with fresh oil, but you get no practice balls the entire time sitting in that one hole waiting to come up and bolt.
3: Now, Sean Rash kind of did that last year at his Parkside Open down in Aurora that we had a flow yeah. bowling. Horrible uh, and shooting, was... by the way, down there
1: yesterday. <laughs> that yes. Aurora shooting. Oh, yeah. Did you hear on about Friday? this? Yeah, I heard yeah. about that oh, on Friday. Oh, goodness
3: gracious. So, so, horrible.
1: Couldn't even imagine it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead.
3: And then, uh, so Sean, in the Steppler Finals of the Tournament, the higher C got to choose the pattern, right. and then when yeah. they had practice for that, two shots in each lane and that's it. So that was that's good an interesting. Too. Yeah, yeah. And so I like that was that, too. that was pretty interesting because Sean used three different patterns for that tournament. Right. Yeah, that's so. brilliant. I
1: like it. I mean, it, stuff like that could right. be an added challenge, but but part, part you of have the, to educate the audience heavily yes, during yeah. the show about how difficult this truly is.
2: Yeah, but part of our sport is adjustments. You know, for we sure. have to adjust during league, and they have to adjust during the four or five games that they're on. I mean, what if EJ makes the whole run of the show today? He's going to have to adjust. Between all Several the times throughout. Right.
1: Absolutely. But so you would really have to, you adjust, have to if your adjust your AJ2 too. Too, if you're yeah. going from match to match and the oil patterns are changing. Correct. From match to match and it's fresh oil. That five spot is in a way more difficult situation, I think, than they are now. Right. And that one hole becomes a lot easier of a situation yeah. than maybe it is now.
2: The, the thing that I always said over the years was how quick the pros could adjust and make their adjustments compared to amateurs. It, it took me like a game to figure it out where they took two or three frames, frames to figure right. it out. Yep.
1: Right, so they were just they, they were so quick on getting
2: adjusted. Okay,
1: back to this, back to this match. So Blanchard, like I said, way light in the ninth, leaves two five chops and down five heading into the tenth. Blanchard striking spare in the tenth. Here comes Sparr, leaves the two eight, 10 on the first ball in the tenth, gets the two pin and loses one ninety to one eighty. Mm-hmm. That's how the match ends. And
3: Lavery Spar thought he nailed that shot, mm-hmm. yeah, I first did. ball of the tenth frame, and he got fooled a couple of times. Where yeah. you know you saw him after the fifth frame, he comes back and he goes. I've nutted every one of those. Right. It's been right there. So yeah, it's just, just it goes to show you you're a fifth of a mile off on ball speed or you're bored outside or inside on your target on the tour, you're gonna have problems. So tough.
1: Yeah, it, it is a huge difference. You're talking inches.
3: Yes, I mean that's oh.
1: really what you're talking Tenth inches, of inches. Right. inches. Yeah. And when you're bowling your house shot, you're not thinking of inches. You have a yeah. large amount of space. You get the ball yeah. near that space, and I'll be good. Yeah. You don't. You don't get that on on the tour. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about the rest of the TV show. Match two coming up next. It's uh, Blanchard and Tackett, and finally, finally, the ham bone has returned. <laughs> we'll discuss that coming up next. It's a late spare time bowling show on 105.7 FM. The Fan, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, you can also use the Radio.com app. Uh, favorite us, uh, Radio.com, and uh, listen that way as well. All kinds of great stuff uh, there to check out. Dwight Albrecht over here, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Phil Brala over there from Flow Bowling and Extra Frame. How was uh, the crowds last week leading up to the TOC for qualifying, Phil?
3: Oh crowds were phenomenal in, in Fairlawn. They were wall to wall Friday night. They actually had the fire marshal there. Really to keep an eye on things. Oh yeah. In in Fairlawn? Yeah, in Revere Lanes. They had the Fire Marshal there counting with the clickers at the doors wow. to uh yeah, to make sure they went over capacity. So yeah, it was it was a beautiful sight.
2: They need to do that for high school state. It was this,
3: yeah. <laughs> it was the same thing this week at Wayne Webb's Columbus Bowl for the for the match play rounds at night. It was Chuck Are oh so nice. okay. Does that mean they're gonna
2: turn
1: fans away?
3: If the fire marshal says good. they have to, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yep. I love that. Turn yep. fans so. away. That's beautiful. That means, hey, sorry you got here so late, but this is a thing. Yeah. You got to get here earlier. Maybe tailgate camp out the night before. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get in. I Hey, I am I love that. That's a good look for the PBA. Absolutely. If if you're so full that I got to tell somebody you can't come in because fire marshal's right there, he said, uh-uh, can't do. We look
3: great. I was telling people that for this week's TV show, uh, Donna Columbus Bowl today, get – get out there early get early. your tickets on pba.com yep. because there's only standing room left and you're not going to get a spot if you wait to get down here on Sunday morning. Yep. No way they're going to you're going to get the building.
2: I remember when they were at Celebrity and fans would stand out for hours before the even the the TV show on Sundays and they showed actually cameras showed the people standing in the snow in the yeah. cold
1: because it's Milwaukee, of so, course. You know, I was I was thinking about when they were in town watching this show. So back when when we were growing up and we're all different ages a little bit but kind of close when we were growing up, right? They became rock star guys, right? Yeah. Marshall Holman, Mark Roth, Pete Weber became those guys that you watched for yep. years, and they had their personalities, and you got down with them, and you didn't like certain guys or whatever. This is kind of the feel I got with this this oh, right now, definitely, because you start looking at how young how young these guys are, and you're like, dude, they're going to be around for a while. I mean, Belmonte yep. maybe not, but I mean the rest of these guys, they're going to be around for a while. Tackin and Kent and. These guys that are coming, Jensen, yep. all of these guys that are coming, you're like, hey. I mean, you could start getting some rivalries built a, a, as people start changing and so forth. And I'll never forget, it was Tackett that told me back in Vegas, like his first year on tour, that there were bowlers better than him that didn't even try for the tour because they didn't think right. there was enough money. Yep. And instead wants to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Right. Better than him. Yep. But and he, he said a, this is what he always wanted yeah. to do. But – That's going to change because if I'm right, what's happening right now with Fox and this tour is going to increase purse money and sponsorship money across the board in 2020.
3: There are more bowlers out there this year for in running for Rookie of the Year on the PBA Tour than there's probably been, I'd say, in the last three years combined. Yep. You add up the number of bowlers that are eligible.
1: It's totally going to change. And the other day on the big show we were talking about who's excited for the Daytona 500? And it wasn't a topic. It was just kind of thrown out there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, eh. Right. And I did. I hosted file inspection for a decade, 12 years, whatever it was. Um, And Jeff Orlowski now uh, is doing it uh, with Steve Zaki, and they do a fine job. And the Daytona 500 is today. And I just made the comment on the air. I go, I'll give you an example. I said, I don't do that show anymore, but now we do the bowling show. That sport is going up, and NASCAR is going the other way. They're passing in the night right now. And then I see a story. Yesterday, that there's there's talk about NASCAR shortening races, eliminating some races going forward, and changing the whole schedule and trying to figure out how to get that fan base back. Meanwhile, the PBA is adding live events, having fire marshals involved during qualifying. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. that, that's really happening right yeah. now. It's
2: going back to that 70s rock star. You have a handful of guys that are bigger than life right. on yeah. the tour well, right and now.
3: It's the youth movement. It really is the youth movement getting along because... You're getting the expansion of high school and college bowling, and you're getting people that are friends of these high school and college bowlers also seeing a Belmore attack, and these bowling pins are just flying around like balsa in the back end, and they're getting interested with that, and they can't and yep. they'll watch it if it's on Fox. Yeah. Or Fox How can or I do they're it? They're not changing the channel. How can anymore. I do it?
2: It right. When he, I was growing up, it was Mark Roth. How can I get? The turn on the ball that Mark Roth did or
1: Steve Cook did. Right. That's the next thing that's going to have to happen, I think, in bowling houses. Rev rates are going to have to start going up in bowling houses. And I don't know how difficult that's going to be. You get speed in local houses, but you don't get rev rate. Correct. That's going to be the next thing that will help to identify bowlers with what's on TV. Seeing a 502 rev rate and then you go bowl and yours is like 250 and you're like, holy crap. Like that—that's not even close to what I, I'm seeing on TV. I think that would really start opening people's eyes to that. Take nothing away from ESPN
2: and the coverage they had for the no, years. It's not close, but Fox is just—I love those side angles when they go in a commercial break yep. of the pros in their slow motions and how they can bow and cup that wrist yep. and arm. I mean, that, as a coach, that's the stuff that I see. That's
1: tremendously upgraded. And then the flow bowling aspect, Phil, for you guys is tremendously better than it ever has been, right?
3: Oh, yeah, because bowlers can sit there, if they don't want to listen to myself and whoever was um, my guest at the time in the booth talk about the pairs we're featuring, hey, if if, you know EJ Tackett's two pairs over, you want to watch his entire game and it's on? Beautiful. Watch his entire game and just listen to the sounds in the bowling center. That's nice. Yeah, and we get some really good guests there. Tim Mack from Storm. Yep. Every day, at least twice a day, he stops in. Uh, We do a little thing called Two Minutes with Timmy. Nice. And he just talks about what he sees with his bowlers, what's going on out there, and sometimes two minutes turns into twenty. That
1: was a great story about Belmonte. Yep. Tim Mack. Later, sixteen in the TV years show. old. <laughs> yeah, Hey, uh, he bought hey, uh, He called the owner of Storm, right, Mr. Storm. Right? Yeah, yeah. You bought. You better come <laughs> over Christman, here, Mr. Chrisman. You, you want to see this guy? You may want to come see this guy. He's <laughs> right. sixteen, but you've never seen anything Great story. like this. How yeah. do
2: you know that unless that's obviously reported? I've right. never, never heard that, that before. Other yeah. thing I love this week you guys did is these like min, little mini stories, uh, just between breaks or whatever it was. You know, it was like three four minutes long. You know, and he had pros giving tips and stuff like that. I love that. That was absolutely fantastic this week I, I noticed that on flow bowling when we had it in the shop
3: yeah and if you're a subscriber to flow bowling you can get access to those all the time it's not just when we play them on air it's it's part of the, sure. what they call the pro subscription
2: it was perfectly and, timed though yeah. between
1: breaks
3: yeah yeah again oh, all I stuff help you with a producer have. with jeff goodger so right. he, makes, he makes my job easier
1: been around for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, okay, match number two, because we may want to talk about the TV show. We have a half hour left. Um, <laughs> and we have Jason Belmonte, who sat down Phil Brilow. I'm not sure how this is all going to get fit in, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, match number two, um, Blanchard with a ball change to reactive resin in the third, throws a strike. Are you surprised that Blanchard waited to this far before he made the change to the reactive resin, didn't go to it in the first match? Well, no. he pointed at us
2: no. tour rep. Thank you for making that right. suggestion to me. Went to a Columbia Chaos
3: a lot, from his black urethane. A lot of the time it's what's the score? Where am I at right now? Am I going getting right. something that could bring back dice. out of the lead? Yep. Blanchard couldn't afford to do that at the end of the last game. He still, you know, he still knew he could put pressure on, yep. on Lavery Spar. Lavery Spar to mark in the tenth didn't do it. But when you come out against EJ Tackett and you're down Tackett comes out with a double, you go half ten, light two, time for a change.
2: Yeah. I-, I thought it was the most entertaining match of, uh, of the four. In a fourth, finally get the
1: handbone call uh from Rob Stone. <laughs> the T O C handbone. I was pretty happy with that in the fourth. <laughs> Pretty happy, I was like, okay, good. Now we're back.
2: My favorite is still Yahtzee from him when he yeah, screams Yahtzee's out too. Yahtzee. Roll the dice. Yep.
1: yep. Uh, Tackett then leads a two ten split light on the first ball in, in the fifth misses both. Uh Still up fifteen after five. Tackett then comes back with a strike in the sixth, which is always what you want to do after an open. Uh Blanchard though is rolling himself. He now has a turkey through seven. Tackett then throws a turkey into the eighth, and then comes the fiance story uh yeah. in that whole mix. Uh, yep. And a picture which was, I thought, absolutely awesome. I don't know yep. whose idea it was, but it was brilliant. It's, it was. it's his fiance drinking out of a Jason Belmonte <laughs> coffee mug and tacking in the background, like over her shoulder in the back yep. of the room with his head face planted in his hands like, you got to be kidding me. It was so Funny good. stuff. It was it right was around so Christmas
3: good. that picture came out, and, yeah, I saw that when it was on Instagram, and I just stopped in my tracks and started laughing.
1: It's brilliant. <laughs> it it was
3: absolutely brilliant. And then
1: put it on TV. That's the personality. That's the inside stuff that you just love. You yeah. crave that as a fan. That's the stuff. Just keep giving me more of that. Right. Uh, Hambone in the eighth for Blanchard. Yahtzee in the ninth <laughs> for Blanchard. And then it. Oh, my God. He throws another hand bone, and those <laughs> hand bones is what he yells out. Those <laughs> hand bones. I started laughing when he yelled those hand bones. Uh, Tagger throws a, a first strike in the tenth. Brooklyn on uh, the second ball in the tenth, and Which he was looked huge, but he looked dejected, well, like it was. Oh, I'm so sorry, right, dude. It's a strike. Well, like I'm telling you right now. Right, if I, if I would have been tacky and he's not me, right? Right. it's it is not cool me. He's not me. I would have turned around and said, right side, left side, don't matter. They all fall. <laughs> don't matter. All counts. Right? right? That, but but instead, it's whatever. On the pro tour right now, it's everybody feels like shy and ashamed when they go Brooklyn. So what? Everybody knows you didn't mean to do it. it Just, you could make something out of yeah. it. It's
2: a pro's respect. You know, if you're going to win, throw it in the 1-3 versus the 1-2.
1: Hey, this is my I, thing. I understand. Hey, hey, this would my my thing would be. You could not want to throw a Brooklyn struck. Go right, right ahead. Whatever it takes to win. I, I know. don't care. Knock the right. ball down. Strikes third ball <laughs> in the tenth. Tack. It wins two sixty four to two thirty six. He did apologize to Blanchard. Yeah, it was stupid too. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that either. Dude, I'm so sorry, man. What are you sorry for that you whooped him? It's done, man. Move on. Go to the next match. Stop. It's not like Blanchard's never thrown a Brooklyn strike in his life before either. Just stop. That that stuff drives me nuts. I don't understand it. You all throw Brooklyn strikes, whether it's a match play, whether it's on TV, it happens all happens, the time. Right. You got one in a good situation. Yeah. Live it up. Have some fun with it. Right side, left side, they all fall down. It don't matter. Just say something. It, whatever. Come up with your own term for it if you don't like Brooklyn. Please. Match three comes up next. time bowling show on 105.7 FM, the fancy Sparky Fiverr, Phil Brilo, extra frame for bowling. Check it out. It's good stuff. Dwight Aubrey, how you doing on uh, drilling bowling balls?
2: We have a lot of them, sir. You do? Well, it's tournament season, and this is an up year for the guys. Yeah. So a lot of the tournament guys, we have middle school starting, high school's going to state. Beautiful. So, yeah, we're getting to three, four different directions. But uh, the third release this year
1: from the manufacturers are just outstanding equipment. Good. All right, so go check all that out by Dwight. All right, so... Match number three, uh, now we have Marshall Kent, and they go over this whole thing about Marshall Kent going back home and trying to figure his stuff out because he realized early on this season that it was just not going his way, and he had to make some adjustments. And I found it interesting that he went back to his dad and said, all right, come on, you and I, let's go figure this out. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool thing um, to talk about that. Uh, Not that that really matters, though, because uh, I really took no notes in this match at the seventh frame. Then he leaves the 1-2-4-10 split And as Randy Peterson described it, the ball slid down like it was on ice fill. Yep. It was was in the seventh.
3: It was just real easy. All of a sudden, you don't get out of it clean with urethane. Not a reactive core inside that ball. And yeah, it just looked like it hit 60 feet and was still doing nothing.
2: Do you think he made a bad decision going with urethane? That's what I put in my notes that I thought that his tour rep blew it, not having him try resin. And that was probably later in the match by
3: Peterson. I'm sure there was resin thrown in practice by Marshall. And then you get to that point, you see the lanes have changed, and you've got four, you know, you've know got three shots on each lane to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. And at that point in time, Marshall thought he had enough control with urethane that that was more of an advantage than the power of resin.
1: Yeah, but you could make that change during the match. I mean, I understand you're saying – He's stuck with it. Right, yeah. I'm saying – I get what you're saying. You're saying, well, in practice you don't have a lot of time. Fine, but yeah. now you're in the match, and the ball's not moving the way you want. Then maybe – well, it doesn't matter at, at this
3: point. So, so I'm just wondering how much of that was actually physical for Marshall where he – no, okay, I missed that shot again and it's the ball in my hand. It's perfect, but I'm not throwing it well. I think that was more Could of the be. issue. Yeah.
1: Uh okay, so it gets three there in the seventh of the four uh that he left up. Tackett had just rolled a double, so now he's down 32 through seven. And that match was relatively close. Just what, a frame earlier, frame and a half earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh spare in the eighth, uh, through the nose in the nine seven pin count. Uh spare, uh Tackett wins two thirty-eight, one ninety-two. And that sets the stage for Tackett versus Belmonte, which is what I think we were all hoping for and oh, waiting sure. for at the end of the day. That's what we all wanted to see. Uh, and now we're finally uh, going to check it out. Okay. So here we go. Belmonte <laughs> knocks out uh, six pin late to start with a double. Ken strikes, uh, or I should say Tackett strikes. Second uh, uh, left, a 10 pin spare. And the third comes up light, leaves a two pin spare. Belmonte then in the third throws the turkey, and in the fourth here comes the ham bone T-O-C call, hand bone. Uh, the TOC ham bone for <laughs> Belmonte uh, there uh, on that call. Tack and strikes in the fourth, almost left a seven ten split in the fifth. Ten pin taken out late. Seemed like there was some a lot of messengers during throughout the course of this show. It seemed that way to you too.
3: Yeah, there was a lot of messengers at Riviera. Lane's it was. All it it, long. it, it yeah. did
1: seem that way. Uh, picks up the seven pin uh, for the spare. Belmonte after throwing the first four. Now remember in this title match, right. Uh, you're playing for a million dollars in the title match if either bowler throws a perfect 300. And I totally agree. Like Belmonte before said, I got half of it spent already, so you know, let's (laughs) go. And I thought Stone was right on the money of when he heard there was a chance at a million dollars, you probably heard Jason Belmonte to himself or somebody else to go, cool, I'm going to win a million bucks on TV this year. This is going to be fun, right? Because he is that confident in his abilities to do it. That ball in the fifth, I mean. Could he have buried it any better than he did to leave that solid 10? Yeah,
3: he was left. He was in the oil. It really was. That ball never, even with his rev rate, never picked up the way it should have. And you saw the, the replay, the deflection off the 1-3 pocket for Belmo.
2: Yeah. My question to both of you guys is, have you ever called a 10-pin a jerk?
3: <laughs> oh, I've called it a lot worse <laughs> yeah, than that. Right. Yeah,
1: I've oh, it right. God, yeah. Yeah. I, I
2: almost fell off my chair
1: laughing when wow. Rob Stone called well, that 10-pin jerk. We can say whatever <laughs> we want about Belmonte wanting that. Rob Stone wants that call. Rob Stone wants to call a perfect game for a million dollars. Because that will be a legendary call. I guarantee you. you. Yeah, I guarantee you. Uh, So up 18 after five is Belmonte. Belmonte then comes back, strikes in the sixth. Tackett leaves a four pin uh, in the... Oh, by the way, Belmonte missed a 10 pin in the fifth. I forgot to say that. So up 18 after five. But again, like we talked about with splits or whatever else, the key fill is being able to rebound and come back and get that strike. I think he missed that ten pin because he was so mad that he left that ten pin. I think he mentally kind of screwed himself missing that ten pin.
3: Yeah, he he lost focus for a second. He He's the first yep. to admit it. he was kicking. He he was still kicking himself when I interviewed him in Columbus this week. Yeah, that's great. missing That ten pin. And TV. we'll hear
1: from Belmonte uh, coming up there. So then Tackett leaves a four pin in the sixth, a spare down uh, in the ninth. The problem for Tackett this this whole match was he couldn't string strikes. I right. Mean, no matter I, what he did, he couldn't string them. Right. And I I put in my
2: notes and Randy Peterson talked about it, Phil about EJ not being able to carry, or his carry was bad. And I made that comment to you when I did my one and only extra frame with you in Carpentersville a couple of years ago, that when you see EJ in person, he puts so much turn on the ball, or how his ball goes to the pins, it's like the pins don't know how to even mix. <laughs> There's so much revolutions in power when he throws the ball, it's just like almost artificial bowling, like it's too powerful for the pins to do their job. And, and and that's what I saw during that – at least that last game.
3: Yeah, and I was kind of surprised as well because Tackett went back to that same ball he started in right. match two with. Yeah, he went back so, to that okay, better shot curl. Had, yeah, you yeah. had 260 the first game. He made that change in the 10th frame. Used the other ball the second game, of his second game. He shoots 230. I'm like thinking to myself, you're not shooting that bad. And I never did ask EJ about what change you could have made with that. But it was I was kind of surprised he actually shelled back down again for that match against Belmo. I would have thought he would stay with something stronger because he knew Belmo was going to be throwing urethane. Kent threw urethane the whole time, and Belmo was well left of where Kent right. was. And it- all week long, the guys talked about how after a while, it almost seemed like there was a puddle in front of the one-two pocket on the right side after enough games got bowled in that Don Johnson pattern. And we see some guys move right, when we were on flow bowling, they moved back to the right. That nobody does that on tour anymore. Right. It just seems to
2: me with Belmo and EJ's ball speed reb rate being so close, it just seems to me, and it could be just the roll in the ball that Belmo puts on it, but it seems Belmo keeps his pins lower than EJ where the EJ's pins fly up higher.
3: Well, Belmo's ball speed was easily a couple miles an hour slower on TV than EJ's was. And sometimes, yeah, that's the key. You get the head pin going to the sideboard so fast. It's great on a lot of light hits, but on some light hits, the head pin comes back across and it keeps the five pin from getting over in the seven pin zone or it knocks the four pin back to the right and the head pin just kind of dies there and nothing gets to the seven or eight or on some of those lights it and that's where the problem comes into play sometimes is it's great when you pack the pocket it's great when you throw messengers but sometimes on light hits that head pin goes so quick it does less damage than it should but then somebody throws it slower
1: that was real geeky okay uh (laughs) So uh, we'll move. on. We had on. a creaky moment. You did. That's okay yeah. though. It, it's a lot on this show. It happens from time <laughs> to time. Uh, okay. So then uh, Tackett leaves the four pin in the sixth spare down nineteen. Tackett then almost leaves the four ten. Uh, four pin gets knocked out. Picks up the ten pin for the spare in the seventh. Belmonte eight counts spare in the seventh. up twenty. Belmonte strike in the eighth, and here comes back Tackett really needing to strike out at yeah. that point. Leaves a four pin in the eighth for the spare. Tackett then strikes in the ninth. Too little, too late. Here comes Belmonte. Uh, double in the ninth, uh, and then Belmo uh, leaves a 10-pin in the 10th. He He still needed another pin after that, but starts yelling that, you know, screams and shouts, number 10, number 10, number 10. We'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, And then comes back after he got done celebrating, looked at the scoreboard to make sure what he needed. (laughs) he needed one. And was laughing, (laughs) and just kind of threw it down the middle, still got a nine count, Uh, and he ends up uh, winning that match over EJ Tackett. And then EJ Tackett, this dude, It's telling Jason Belmonte like pretty much you're the best ever, man. You're the best I've ever seen bowl, and you're the greatest. He was just loving him some Jason
3: Belmonte. That was a total, that was
1: a total class move. Yes.
3: And if you follow Jason Belmonte on Facebook, he had a post out there shortly after about the guy on tour that makes Belmo work the extra half hour on his game every day, and the guy that pushes Belmo is EJ Tackett. Right. EJ's Belmo considers EJ Tackett his closest competitor on tour right now. I would too. And we may see it again today, absolutely, you know, out of Columbus. But you know, it, it's the mutual respect those two guys have for each other. It was very on gracious, and off the lanes. Yeah, very professional, they want to very beat gracious. the hell out of each other while they're out there, no doubt right. about it. But yeah, on and off the lanes, there's the respects there because they both work just as hard on their game all the time. Well, force you, you got to look at
2: it. If Belmo is number one, you would have to think EJ number two right now on the tour. So
3: easily. Absolutely. Uh, And I
1: love it. Okay, so for those of you that uh, aren't historians uh, on this stuff, uh, as far as what that meant to the TOC, Earl Anthony got to 10 majors in 16 years. Mm -hmm. Pete Weber got to 10 majors in 35 years. Belmo got to 10 majors in 12 years. Yep. Three TOC wins. Mike Durbin has three TOC wins. Jason Couch has three consecutive TOC wins. Right, That's P. never been done, still hasn't been, yep. outside of him. And Belmo now has three TOC wins, Tournament of Champion wins. That's it. Belmonte putting himself into the record books at the end of the day. Coming up next, we'll hear from Jason Belmonte. It's Phil Brawl. had a chance to sit down with him earlier this week. That's straight ahead in the Castle Lane
3: Spare Time Bowling Show. Phil Bryler here for the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Radio Show on 105.7 FM. The fan with me, last week's champion at the Tournament Champions, Jason Belmonte. And Jason, before we get started about talking with your tournament win, let's talk about the end of 2018. Not the finish you were looking for, player of the year contention, getting into the last events with the flow bowling fall swing and with the U.S. Open, and didn't quite get you the player of the year there. What did you do in the offseason to get yourself ready for a solid 2019 so far?
4: Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of things a bowler needs to be really good at on, on tour, and one of those things is a short-term memory. So, you know, it, it wasn't a great end into 2018, but I was able to let it go really quickly, just go back and hit, hit the lanes and train and work on some of the errors that, you know, crept into my game later in the year. Um, and it's been a really solid year this year. I think I've played, you know, th- four events and my worst finish is sixth. So it's, um, it's been a really, really nice start to the year.
3: And getting into the Tournament of Champions in Fairlawn, uh, you've had some success in that center last year. You made the TV show as well. pattern was a little bit different, though. That Don Johnson pattern all week long for the players was real tricky. What was your key to keeping up with the the changes throughout the week on that pattern and keeping yourself well ahead on the leaderboard?
4: Yeah, I just went to basics, really. I mean, I didn't try to do anything too crazy. I wasn't trying to create too much angle. I I used a lot of urethane in the match play um, rounds when the lanes felt their flattest. Uh, and I just kind of said to myself, you know what, um, the scoring pace is coming down quickly. My job really isn't to try and shoot 250s and 260s. I think it's to shoot 220s. Uh, so I, I went with a very safe option and just so I made as many good shots as I can, tried to carry the 10 as much as I could with the urethane. And, and that's kind of what happened. You know, I'd get a double here, a double there, uh, sometimes punch out for 230 and moved on you know it was just a really solid uh, performance from the beginning of the tournament all the way through without you know without throwing too much caution into the wind i, I was really smart and patient um you know i made a very high percentage of my spares so it was, it was a pretty good tournament from yeah. beginning to end and, and not to mention spare making but you
3: started the championship match with the first four strikes and then left the 10 pin and missed it what it's what do you do when you miss a spare like that to get back into focus and especially in a championship match situation like that
4: yeah, well, I mean, I was really—I'm still am, to be honest—cranky with myself missing that spare. Um, but you know, I think when the realization that the million-dollar prize had kind of eluded uh, me, it, it was a very odd feeling. These this overwhelming feeling of pressure on the spare kind of just hit me. Uh, so you missed it, and or I missed it, and then the idea is. Right, you have to just leave that there you, your million dollar prize is gone, but what's important right this very second is you have five more frames to win the t o c when you're tenth major, and it's time to step up and and make some quality shots so the you know the the eighth and ninth and tenth for that matter were three of the best shots of my career. you know it was. Um, and that's kind of what I, I really wanted to see out of myself was, yeah, I had that hiccup in the middle of the game, but how am I going to bounce back? And to throw those three shots down the stretch uh, to shut AJ out was one of the the better, the better best moments that I have had on the Lions.
3: Well, Jason, you took home number 10 last week at the Tournament Champions. We're talking here after you're done with the third round of qualifying at the Players' Championship, finding yourself in the lead again what's the key to keeping this momentum going for the rest of the 2019 season
4: oh I mean well the season's so long I'm not really focused on the season I'm just focused at the players championship right now uh you know the lanes are are transitioning slightly different every single day and and the last few uh the last few games of each squad I've kind of missed the transition so I've got to start you know really paying attention a little more and you know, getting to the right ball at the right time and that's something that, you know, if I don't do, uh these guys are just going to do it against me and it's just gonna you know, it's gonna make it very difficult to, to stay, not just as the leader, but even to make the T V show. So I've got a, a lot of work ahead of me coming up, but um twenty four games around Robin match play, plenty of bonus pins, plenty of quality shots still to come. If I can just perform, you know, as well as I know I can, um, yeah, I I'll be going for number eleven. Unbelievable. Jason Belmonte there with Phil
1: Brylow. A great interview uh, from uh, our buddy Phil right there. Uh, Okay, so uh, let's talk about the TV show coming up now today because it just doesn't stop. We were just talking in the break about the the PBA schedule on TV. It's stupid. Like, we go through June, right, with the playoffs? Uh, And then we get into league play in July. Yep. Uh, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. It's a beautiful thing. All right, so here we go. Uh, this is what we're going to see today. Chris Barnes barely misses uh, TV in that sixth slot. Barely. I mean, he got hosed
3: all night long Friday night. 33 pins
1: uh, out, uh, Chris Barnes. So, five, Kyle Troop. Gotta mm-hmm. love me some Ooh. Kyle Troop on TV. EJ Tackett is four. For a, for a Boeing. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Archer. Fine. <laughs> I have no feelings in DJ Archer. Like, I, I no, not, not good, not bad, right. just fine. I respect him. Uh, Anthony Simonson, love it. And Jason Belmonte back uh, back in the top spot again. Man, yep. oh man. Three two handers. This two-handers. TV show's gonna be fun. <laughs> Number 11, Sparky. Uh, Your prediction? No, I can't do it. You're can't not
2: gonna go with Belmo? No. Same I here. am.
1: Really? I, do, I do hope think? he does, though. I'll be rooting for him. I but got I Simonson. Think it's, I think is, it's going to be Simonson He is too. hot
2: right now. I'm going to go with Belmo, number 11.
1: I hope he does. I do. I'm pulling for him. I'd rather see him win at the History. Right. But I, yeah, I don't know. Well, really, I'd love to see Kyle True win it if I was really rooting with my heart. Got to get the picks out. Air pick. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun on TV today. All right. So make sure uh, to tune that in. Noon. uh, Today, uh, coming up at noon. That's on Fox Sports 1, right? That is correct. Fox Sports 1 today. Enjoy the rest of your day. College basketball show at noon. Toodles. Toodles.